the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And it is, I don't know how you feel about this, Perry. This is my favorite week of the football season. And it's not to discredit any of the other phenomenal matchups that we'll see. You know, Packers-Bills is the game I've had circled on my calendar since the schedule came out. But my favorite rivalry in all of sports is the Packers-Bears rivalry. And the games always at Lambeau Field are in primetime. And it's just gets the juices going. It's it's the best rivalry in sports. Wow. I mean, look at you all, all amped up. <laughs> uh, I'm just excited the Packers are back at Lambeau. I love the season opener at Lambeau. I feel like it always has a special energy to it. But yeah, having the Bears be the team also probably adds to it. And I mean, I think it's just, you know, maybe it's because I live right on the border of Wisconsin, Illinois, but I have like an admiration and respect for Bears fans. And I just appreciate the history. Like you can't talk about the Packers without George Hallis and you can't talk about the Bears without Vince Lombardi. Like it's, it's special and it's historic and I even when there's been times where the Packers have been bad or the Bears have been bad, like it's still something that, you know, both teams like get up for, like they're ready for the Vikings fans. I don't feel that way about, I don't feel that way about the Vikings franchise. So two very, very (laughs) different franchises. One is deeply rooted in history and has like built up what we know as the NFL today. And the other is a little bit newer and has an empty trophy case. So very, very different franchises. But I agree with you. I love the rivalry. I think it's so fun in its ancientness. And uh, it's going to be really fun to see Justin Fields at Lambeau this year. I don't know why I'm extra, extra pumped about that. Um, We can dive into it all. But I don't know. There's something about I don't know why I'm, I'm rooting for this young player to be magnificent and I think it's just to make the rivalry like fun again yeah I mean this is literally the 17th consecutive season that the Packers and Bears have played in a primetime game it's the 205th game oldest rivalry in sports the Packers now obviously with Rodgers have a 103 to 95 edge with six ties um but yeah I mean I think it's just the rejuvenation um the Packers unscripted podcast was talking earlier about how like when Lovey Smith got hired many moons ago as the bears head coach, the first thing he said was like, I want to beat the green Bay Packers. Justin Fields has made comments about that as the bears starting quarterback. Like it's just ingrained in the rivalry. Roger said when he started, the bears had like a 20 game lead in the series. And then he comes <laughs> and, you know, take, takes over. Like it's, it's just ownership. <laughs> it's, yeah. Partial ownership of the franchise. It's just fun. And, you know, it's probably not going to be the best game, um, of the year by any stretch for either team, but just the history around it, it's always a, a fun game to circle on the calendar because you know it's going to be special. Yeah, and also historically, it's been a pretty easy Packers win, which doesn't which we like hurt for those who root for that team. Um, I do feel like as much as I am rooting for and excited about the talent that Justin Fields brings. This Bears team is very, very much in like a rebuild scrappy mode, right? Like we don't look at this roster and it doesn't strike fear into our hearts. So we are feeling like this is a game that the Packers like must win. Okay, so I I wanted to actually start the show like this. So I'm glad that you brought that up before we dive into like 
the X's and O's and the offense and defense. Is this week two game a must win for the Packers? Can you call a game in week two a must win game? I'm not saying it's a must win because they lost last week. And I'm not saying it's a must win because it's, it's certainly not a week two. I think it's a must win because of the caliber of opponent. So like if you're losing to an opponent who, you know, is not a playoff caliber, who is not a contender and you don't come out looking sharp and like you're the better team, then yes, I'm concerned about this team. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I think we're in agreement there because I I hate to call any game a must win in week two, but the Vikings game, you know, we kind of going into it thought it could be a close game. It could be a toss up given you're without your starting right tackles, you're away. It's a brand new offensive minded head coach for the Vikings. Lots of variables there. You've got week three away again against an NFC contender in the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we talked about it on the the recap show earlier this week that this wasn't, you know, the chicken little sky is falling yet as far as losing to the Vikings, but it sucks that you lose to an NFC division opponent. The Packers cannot afford to start the season 0-2, two behind in the NFC North, knowing that another NFC opponent is away next week that they could likely see again in the playoffs. So for not being a quote-unquote must-win game as early as week two, it's about as must-win as you get because the Packers cannot afford to start the season 0-3 against three NFC opponents. And I don't think they will. I don't I, think I, they will either. But. I don't think that they will. <laughs> I agree with your, your logic, but like laying it down, I, I do not think that the Packers are going to lose against the Chicago Bears at home. They're just two different teams, right? Like they're just two on completely different levels. And that's not to say that the Bears aren't going to put up a fight. And it's not to say that the Bears aren't going to score points against this Packers defense because they very well will but I just don't view them in the same tier and like the Vikings to me was a coin flip like you said this was a game that we knew was going to be close the Vikings have very good offensive weapons they have a very good pass rush we saw all of that and they outplayed the Packers and it was a bummer to start the season 0-1 but at the same time losing to the Vikings wasn't necessarily a surprise whereas with the Bears like I said it's just not the same level of opponent. I think the thing that makes this game really interesting too is, you know, Matt LaFleur almost had the advantage when he started. He's obviously 6-0 and now against the Bears, but, you know, going into that first game in 2019, he was an unproven commodity and there's no like film on these guys. Matt LaFleur said last week they almost did too much prep against the Vikings because yes, you have the, the footage of O'Connell with the Rams, but there's no tape and there's no, you know, real yeah. understanding yet. Everybody's playing vanilla schemes in the preseason. So, you know, maybe Matt Eberflus has like a little bit of a, a an advantage there going into it because there's not a game plan for him. But I agree that the, the caliber of talent around these rosters is way different. Yeah. And I think that's the difference here, right? Like, sure, just like the Vikings did, the Packers have a couple of coaches that have left. So both these opponents have some level of institutional knowledge. Um, but at the same time, it's just the level of talent. Like the bears do not have a Justin Jefferson. They don't even really have an Adam Thielen. I guess Darnell Mooney is in that category, but it's just, it's a completely different team. Um, and you're on your home turf right now. Vegas has the Packers as nine and a half point favorites. So Vegas feels good about the Packers. I feel good about the Packers. You said it pre-show. They have to go in there and kind of like, I I kind of 
expect this maybe to be a bit of an ass kicking. Yeah. I mean, not to, that you can't use any type of, you know, history as a trajectory for things that are to come every season. You know, you basically call a wash, but when these two teams have met, at least the last couple seasons, it's been really high scoring games for the Packers. And you, you mentioned it on the game recap when we recorded live on Monday is just Matt LaFleur doesn't lose back-to-back games in the regular season. And I think he averages like a 14 point victory in those bounce back games. So what better team to kind of, you know, wet your whistle against and get into the groove of things than a bears team that, and I mean, you know, you can talk about the quagmire that was soldier field and the weather conditions and how tricky that was. And, you know, give the bears credit because nobody thought that they were going to win on Sunday. The 49ers are a good football team and the 40 and the, you know, the bears took care of business at home, but I just, Rogers is pissed. Your whole defense is pissed. Defense is pissed. Yeah. Like, That's how I feel too. Like this is, you want to talk about, we talked about energy a lot with the Vikings game. If you want to keep that same narrative of energy going into this game, I'm at imagining a very hungry and a very angry Packers team. And unfortunately the bears are going to get like the brunt end of that. And I don't mean, again, like I'm not trying to downplay this team. This is a professional football team. I do believe they're going to move the ball. I do believe that they're going to score points. Like Justin Fields has a very good arm. They have, you know, a nice wide receiver running back duo, but the Packers are a better football team than the Bears are this year. And that's simply just the truth. And I I think there are also a couple of things that we can kind of dive into this a little bit more now. Like there are a couple of things that I really feel like they can exploit here. And the first thing that comes to mind, right, is that they, the Bears have two rookies in their secondary, right? They have Juan Brisker starting at safety and they have Kyler Gordon starting at corner. And I hopefully, you know, another week under the belt, Alan Lazard comes back. You're going to get an Aaron Rodgers who's maybe a little bit more comfortable behind that offensive line. Maybe we get Elton Jenkins back. Whatever the case is, I think this offense is going to feel a little bit more comfortable going out and picking on two rookies who are literally in their second start ever. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we factor in crowd noise and you've got, you know, Matt LaFleur made a joke about the horn um, at U.S. Bank. So you're at home now, so you don't have to like rely on your silent count because – you know, unless Packers fans, you know, do the wave when the team's on offense, which we've seen them do, it's not going to be a concern. So the elements are all in your favor. Every negative that we pointed out about the matchup, you know, going into week one, the Packers will have the flip side of that advantage now going into week two. So I think, you know, the comfort level is there. And Rogers, I think, kind of said it best when he said, like, we don't really have a choice. You know, like we, we've got to get this thing turned around regardless. It doesn't matter about his comfort. It doesn't matter about the O-line's comfort. It doesn't matter about the rookie receiver comfort. Like you got 16 games left. So you're going to run out of time pretty quickly here to turn things around if you don't start making the necessary steps each week. And I think we'll definitely see a bounce back this week. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, again, like there are only a couple of guys that I think you really have to watch out for in this game, which is sure Roquan Smith, but he's not necessarily the same linebacker he used to be. And he certainly isn't happy with the team. So I don't know if that affects his play, although I guess he wants a new contract. So he's probably playing for the new contract. You know, you do have Jalen Johnson who is a solid enough cornerback, um, you know, except for when he played against Devontae Adams. <laughs> you have Robert Quinn, right, at the at the 
D line, but there, there isn't the same juice, I guess that the Vikings brought. Um, You just have to hope that the Packers offensive line is going to be able to hold up a little bit better this week than they did last week. And again, I think there's like a continuity thing here. If they're going to be playing again together, they've got the whole week together to practice they only really have one edge rusher to contend with. I think there is going to be a little bit an easier task for Adam Stenovich and for this offensive line to hold up and just give Rodgers a little bit more protection. Now, you also hope that the wide receivers and the running back, all the weapons have kind of also gotten some kind of game plan down a little bit better than last week. So Rodgers doesn't have to hold the ball. He can get the ball out faster and everything's going to be working a little bit more in sync. I think that's what I'm looking for going into this game is just a little bit more tempo, a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more feeling like this team has something chugging along on the train. I'm imagining a train. (laughs) And I think, you know, some of the offense, you know, you can make cases that there's some there's some different pieces there. Obviously, they drafted Bellis Jones. EQ came in from the Packers. They lost Allen Robinson to the Rams, but largely quarterbacks now the same. You know, his his primary receiver in Darnell Mooney is the same. He's got David Montgomery in the backfield. So your kind of core offense, I guess, is the same. I think the biggest question marks are, like you said, on the defensive side of the ball. Traded away Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Akeem Hicks is with the Buccaneers. So there's a lot of moving pieces, especially in that front seven. And I think that that's where the Packers need to capitalize. The The complaint that we had all of last game was, why aren't the Packers running the football? And yes, again, you can talk about field conditions on Sunday, you know, with all the rain at Soldier Field. But the Bears defense gave up 176 yards on the ground. 176. And if Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at that point don't go for 300 yards on the ground, something is wrong. Like, you you know, they've set the blueprint here. So the Packers need to just stay true to who they are and use that that running offense to open up things like the quick passing game and the end arounds and the jet sweeps and get back to the LeFleur offense that he likes to run. Yep. RPOs, play action. Exactly. I feel like that should be the game plan, right? Especially when Matt LaFleur said after a game, like, there is no world in which it's okay that Aaron Jones only gets eight touches. I think there's a stat that when each of them touch the ball 25 times, the Packers are like 10 and 0 or something like that. So we know when you go through both of those running backs, it's a recipe for success. And the more I think about like the identity of this team, the more it feels like it lies within those two players. And that's not a knock against any of the wide receivers. It's not really a knock against anybody except for the fact that those are your two stars you have drafted and developed two of one of the best running back duos in the league like not hyperbole they just simply are and you want to ride that as much as possible and also I thought in talking to Andy Herman who is a much better offensive line you know viewer than I am it it became pretty clear that the Packers offensive line was also just run blocking better than they were pass blocking because they were tired and they were getting like just beat up by Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And Rogers was kind of holding the ball a little bit longer, which meant they had to pass block a little bit longer, but run blocking, you saw the big chunk plays that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were able to get. And it just, it also like gives the Packers offense the control of the game, right? When you're controlling the time and the amount of time you have the ball and the line of scrimmage there, like you're going to probably be more successful and just like own that game a little bit more. So I agree with you through the running backs. 
Yeah, so that that stat that you're you're referring to is it's when AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones combined to touch the ball at least 25 times. And you know, there there was a conversation about it on Twitter and I kind of I took issue with it because everybody said, "Well, yeah, when you win as much as the Packers do, you start running the ball to burn the clock and your running totals go up." And I I take issue with that because I think had the Packers stood, like stuck true to the plan in week 1, they would have had the privilege of running the ball because it would have opened so much more for the offense. So sometimes you like, they're not mutually exclusive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You, mm-hmm. yes, you can run to win, but, and, but when you're winning, it also helps you to run the ball. So, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense where I don't think we can just attribute it to, Oh, they're always winning. So they're always running the ball. No, no. I think they, the, it's a chicken and the egg. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Um, <laughs> And do you want to talk about injuries really quick before we flip to the defense? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we did have some positive news this week, right? We kind of mentioned it, but Lazard and Elton Jenkins were both limited participants, which I think in terms of injury, if you're limited through Friday, most likely means you're going to play. Um, not going to like remove them completely from the injury report. I would love to see Elton Jenkins out there. That would just warm my soul to its very core. Um, I also think Lazard being back will balance the offense out a little bit more. David Bakhtiari did not practice today, but we got a little bit more clarity around his kind of practice plan from Matt LaFleur, which is he's not going to practice every day. They're going to be cautious with him. It doesn't necessarily mean they're setbacks, but they're going to give him, I guess, some more like vet rest type days is what I interpreted it as. So he practiced yesterday, Matt said yesterday being Wednesday. LaFleur said he had a very good day and he did not practice Thursday. We were recording Thursday night. So it's still a very big question mark if he plays. I'm leaning that he will not. Um, We were already told that it's unlikely that he will. That's okay. Give us one tackle back and I think we will be okay. Um, And But Alan Lazard. And then from the defensive side of the ball, it looks like Quay and Kajian Nixon both were limit or full participants back at practice today. So likely they will both play. So it feels like besides Chris Barnes and the still lingering question mark of Dave Bakhtiari, the Packers are actually a lot more healthy than I originally thought that they were after the Vikings game. Yeah. So we obviously know that earlier in the week, they put Chris Barnes on injured reserve with the, what sounds like a high ankle sprain. I don't think they ever officially confirmed it, but they did say that he avoided a more significant injury. When you see the air cast, you always assume the worst. Um, I did think it was interesting though. Jake Hansen's on the injury report and he is a full participant still in practice, but you know, four of your quote unquote starters when they're healthy are on here. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, we already knew about. Jake Hansen apparently has a shoulder injury and some guys are on the injury report all year and play all 17 games. It's just something that obviously you have to report. Um, But then John Runyon Jr. of course has the concussion and has not practiced all week. So whether Zach Tom comes in at left guard, you know, however this alignment looks, I think adding Elton Jenkins to this at right tackle, maybe left tackle, but I think right tackle, I think Yash would get to stay at left tackle just gives them more versatility and how they kind of want to handle that Mm -hmm. um, until Runyon is back. I'm imagining if Elton plays, it's going to be Yash, Zach Tom, unless Runyon clears concussion protocol before Sunday, but I don't feel like that's going to happen. 
So Yash, Zach Tom, Josh Myers, they move Royce Newman back in to the guard spot if Jake Hansen is still dealing with an injury and put Elton at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really conflicted about who I I guess I think should have that right guard spot. And there's a part of me that says, you know, Royce Newman held it down all 17 games last year, and you can argue he didn't look the best doing it, but I he looked better than Jake Hansen. That was where I was going. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, and as far as just talking about cohesion and consistency along the offensive line, if you're trying to get Rodgers comfortable, part of that is he's played behind Newman for a hell of a lot longer at this point than he has with Hanson. And Hanson put some not great stuff on uh, tape week one. So, you know, guys like Dominique Robinson for the Bears, who had a fantastic rookie debut on Sunday, uh, will be watching that and licking their chops a little bit. Yeah, because there are clear, like, if you're if you're the Bears and you're like, how are we going to attack this Packers offense and make their life hell, there are definitely obvious players to go after on the offensive line that are going to rattle Rodgers and, you know, mess up the rhythm of this offense. So you want to put, I think, someone, like you said, who he's played behind and who has played that right guard spot actually more than the right tackle spot. I do, I am curious, you know, if John Runyon Jr. is let's say he clears concussion protocol, right? He's back at his normal left guard spot. You have Yash, Runyon, Myers. Are you putting Zach Tom in there at right guard instead if Elton can play at right tackle? Like This is such a fun – I love that like every single week we're just playing a guessing game with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, if, if it were me – and, you know, it kind of depends too because it, it's weird to me that they've given Tom so many additional reps at left guard over right guard – it kind of makes me wonder if they prefer him on the left side and then they would move like JRJ to right guard because I think he has the versatility to do that. But um, I thought it was interesting. They asked Rogers about Tom and he was talking about how he looked really good, but he said like, I guess you can call it a critique, but it's traditional with rookie offensive linemen that he needs to put some weight on because right now he's just kind of a tweener. So he said that once he is able to add mass to his frame, that'll go a long way in helping him with a lot of those pass sets and a lot of those, those run blocking schemes that he was running. Roger's about to take him to like red lobster or something. (laughs) Take him to a five guys and just shoving food down his throat. (laughs) Um, Wow. So funny. Maybe we should do a poll on Twitter about who, who we think the people, who the people think uh, would be the best little rotation here. Cause there's so many options. At least there's that, right? At least, At least there's, options, there's yeah. options, I guess, if I'm, if I'm trying to be optimistic about it. Defense. I have really high expectations going into this game for this defense, which is a weird thing to say, I think, after last week. But I think they're going to be hungry. I think they're going to be angry. And I think they're going up against not a very good offensive line with the Bears. And, yes, Justin Fields is in his second year, but he's still a young guy and has pretty much only two weapons to throw to at this point, Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. Yeah. I mean, I think the statistic was something like um, six sacks and three interceptions in their first year against Justin Fields last year. So, you know, you know, the, the turnover opportunities will be there. And I don't know if you heard the quote, it seems like a quote that you would have heard as the certified DB Stan, but they asked Jay Alexander about, um, like, you know, why they refer to themselves as like dogs and dog mentality. And he was talking about steak. He wants the steak. He wants I the steak. So, <laughs> so this, this is the game where you've got, like, you got, what do you want? You want a ribeye? You want a New York strip? Like, it's all in front of you guys. You're at an all-you-can-eat buffet, guys. 
you're at a Ponderosa. If anybody in Wisconsin remembers a Ponderosa, that's we're at a steakhouse with an all you can eat buffet and you're deciding (laughs) what meat you want. And there's no line. Just walk on up. (laughs) There's no offensive line. There's no line. There's no line. I mean, think about it though. They're, their starting offensive line is Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer, Tevin Jenkins, and Larry Broom. Please tell me anything about any of those players. I, I was kind of surprised that Lucas Patrick wasn't in their starting rotation because but I know that they were honorary captain this week. I, yeah, that's why I wondered if he was going to get the look because he's gritty. I mean, I I loved I Lucas love Patrick when he was in Green Bay. But, yeah, but like, I mean, just, can you tell me anything about any of those players? Because I can't. I just know that Tevin Jenkins was a high draft pick. Tevin Jenkins is an enigma right now because I don't think the Bears know where they want to play him. And I think he's getting frustrated by that. But, yeah, I mean, by all accounts, this is one of the weaker offensive lines in the NFL. And the Bears are, in a weird way, fortunate that Justin Fields is young and has scramble ability yeah. because it, this would never hold up for a lot of other quarterbacks and their play styles. So Justin Fields is, I think that's going to be one of the keys of the game, right? Is you can get all the pressure you want on the offensive line, but if you let Fields get out of the pocket and evade pressure and make plays with his legs and keep drives alive, then, you know, you're looking at a more contested game than you'd like it to be. But if you can really rattle him, you know, maybe force a fumble, force him to just kind of lame duck a ball up in the air when you've got, your entire ball hawking secondary out there that is hungry for picks since they didn't get me last week. There's your stake. Like, they go get steak. it. Yeah, I agree with you. I was also thinking about that because they're the Packers defense in years prior have struggled a little bit with mobile quarterbacks in that they do get pressure, but then their pressure leaves open running lanes for a guy like yes. Justin Jefferson's to, to Justin Jefferson, Justin Fields. I'm so He's on our mind. I know uh, Justin Fields to take off. Right. And then all of a sudden you did your job and yet they, the opposing offense has a first down. Yeah. And this, this is, I think where we're going to see a lot more from the defensive line depth. Uh, Devonte Wyatt didn't play a heck of a lot. He had like one tackle, I think against the Vikings, but he's going to get some looks. TJ Slayton is going to get some looks. Jaron Reed, I thought had a decent game for, again, you know, a lot of these guys rotating in and out Dean Lowry coming untouched was really fun for that one play that he kind Kenny of forced. Amazing. Kenny so, was just eating everybody's lunch. So they as you expect. Honestly, okay, here's a question for you. Okay. Given the weaknesses on this uh Bears offensive line, do we see any kind of movement? And not just like the Rashawn Gary movement kind of like they used to do with Z to just be able to like tee off. But like do we see any movement maybe with Kenny to get more favorable matches? Oh, hell yeah. Defensive end, not just like your traditional nose. Yeah, especially because you you have guys like Wyatt and Reed who can play traditional nose tackle, but also can create pressure and create, you know, those mismatches. So I think absolutely. And we saw it a little bit against the Vikings. You know, he was getting pressure in the B gap. He was getting pressure in the A gap. Like wherever you put Kenny, he's he's going to create pressure. So I think that that, I also would, I would love it if Quay Walker gets a sack this week. That's like one of my one of my thoughts is just the Quay Walker spy over the mobile Justin Fields. So this is what I was also wondering is because they didn't really blitz on on Sunday against the Vikings, right? They didn't have any DBs coming off the line. They didn't 
I don't think I saw them utilize either Devondre or Quay Walker put pressure on the quarterback. So I would love to see them do that this week because with the amount of men on this team who can like get home to the quarterback, I think they could really, really make the bears lives miserable on Sunday. And I think, you know, the more I think about it and you could argue that the game was out of hand, even though I don't think it was, you know, we saw the Vikings put up what three points in the second half. So as much as you don't love going down three scores before halftime, whatever, you know, the idea being there were adjustments that maybe we didn't see or didn't recognize or, you know, at the time, because we were just like, you know, why aren't the Packers getting back into this thing? Mm -hmm. But the defense showed promise in the way that they were able to turn things around. So I think that there's a lot for them to build off of. I completely agree. Um, All right. So let's do some more over over unders maybe for this game, because I'm feeling like Packers four sacks. I'll say over. Okay. Love that for us. Um, I'm conflicted on turnovers, but I think there's at least one. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm I'm going to say one pick for the Packers defense. Because that's another stat that I always come back to, right? When the Packers win the turnover battle, they win the game. Like more, I think, nine out of ten times. Well, and historically, that's been like a cornerstone of the Matt LaFleur era is that his team always wins the turnover differential. They'd never give up the ball. And this should be a game where you very much should be at least 0-0, but not negative. Um, All right. I want like Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon combined like 200 yards, 250 (laughs) yards on the ground. Okay, I was going to say all-purpose yards. I'll give them a combined 150. Okay. But that's because I think we're going to see the ball spread around more, especially if, like, Lazard comes back. I want to see Watkins get involved a little bit. And I think think this – I would love it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would absolutely love it if the Packers open up their first series with an identical play to Christian Watson. I was going to say the same (laughs) thing. I literally have that in my notes. (laughs) I – would love if they open the game the same exact way. You gotta and go give back to Christian it. Watson, it, yeah, his moment. Yeah, wow, we have the same mind. <laughs> that's really freaky. But I mean, I think, it, and that's just what we need to see. Like this is, we keep talking about it, but it's a good opportunity for the young wide receivers to get acclimated into an offense in an environment that they're comfortable. Because there's a lot of really tough road games coming up. We talked about the Bucks in week three. We talked about the Bills. Going to London is going to be its own brand of, you know, confusion for a lot of these guys as far as, like, jet lag. And, you know, it's a brand new environment. It's a new atmosphere. You could argue that it's a more neutral field, obviously, than playing in an away game. But just it, it's going to be a lot for the rookies, and especially early in the season. They've got the Bills coming up before the bye. So there's a lot of really tough matchups coming, and I think this is a good kind of sink your teeth into the opportunities that they'll have on Sunday at home in an environment that's favorable to them against a team that should give them opportunities. Yeah, I think I want this also before the Bucks game as well. I think yeah. I, I view the Bucks game again as like another litmus test against what's obviously going to be a playoff team. And so you want everyone kind of in sync and you want your rookies to be like at their peak confidence. Same with that relationship with, with Aaron Rodgers. 
I think the the biggest thing too, and I, I don't see this being an issue for the Packers locker room, is just not letting it get too big in their minds and not mm-hmm. too big from a, holy cow, we have to win this, like this is a must win, but also not too big from a, don't get too high on yourselves. Don't underestimate yeah. the opponent in front of you. I don't you know, think they do that. I don't think they do either, but just, you know, coming off of a, a kind of, you could say like embarrassing loss or, you know, the way that it didn't go, the, how they planned it. You can be in your head a little bit too much thinking about like overcorrections instead of just focusing on executing, you know, the way that you're supposed to execute. So I think that's going to be another thing going into this game is just, it's still a division rival. The games all count the same, but it is, you know, an NFC North opponent. Yes, they're familiar, but it's a new head coach. It's a new defensive coordinator. It's a new offensive coordinator. So they got served a little humble pie last week. And I, I think that based on what happened after their first serving of pie in the 2021 season, opener, <laughs> that it does leave the lesson of never underestimate your opponent and go one and oh every single week, which has been Matt LaFleur's adage since he became head coach. So I don't worry about the mindset going in, but I do think potentially the feeling of the must win might overwhelm them. And it, it was pointed out to me and it's, it's, I think such a good um, kind of explanation for what happens, which is like when the Packers get down, they literally just want to go and score 21 points all at once. Yep. Yep. And so, and I think you just have to go, to break it that going one and zero every week down even further into the game, every drive you're going for seven. You just, every drive you're thinking seven, that's it because that's all you can do. That's all you can do is get there. Whether you're at the, your own 20, whether you're at the 40, whether you're in your own end zone, you're just looking ahead and you're thinking we need seven here and that's it. And I think when you do that, you're going to just think about the game plan and what you need to do to get those hundred yards down the field. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So before we wrap things up, let's obviously talk score predictions, but I want to talk about the contrast of this season and last season just a little bit because I think it's interesting, right? So the Packers obviously opened, lost 38-3 to on the road against the Saints, came back, hosted the Detroit Lions, and won 35-17. to And it had a really nice bounce back. So what are your thoughts? I mean, how do you see this going? Because I almost picture like an identical score in my head for the bears this week i'm thinking like 28 14 okay yeah i don't know if this offense is there yet where i can picture them scoring 30 i hope i'm wrong but i do think that there's like still some growing pains that need to happen but i think being at the 25 and to 20 25 to 30 range is like where you would like to see them against this bears team and i have high hopes for the Packers defense that they'll only give up like around the two touchdown mark. Yeah. 31 17 makes a lot of sense to me. If it's a low scoring game, especially if it's rainy, which it sounds like it could be for everybody going, bring a, bring a poncho, but you know, the 20 to 14, I like even, even like, I guess, okay, here's a question. How would you feel if the game ended like 17 to 10? Like, are you satisfied by the performance? I know we're obviously satisfied with the Packers win, but would that show you enough as a bounce back from the Vikings to feel comfortable moving forward in the season? Or do you really want to see them put up points and, you know, really shut down on defense? It kind of depends on how those 17 points come about. Okay. They're grinding out the offense again and it's a struggle and they can like, it's that's why it's only at 17. Then 
I'm still going to be like, mm, okay. Holding any opponent to 10 points these days, I'm proud of. So I'm like, kind of ignore the the defensive side of things. To me, it's if it's if it's 17 points because the Packers are, you know, owning the time of possession, they're really long drives, maybe special teams makes a blunder, they have to go down the field 85 yards each time, something like that, and that's why they get 17 points out of this game, fine. I just want to see the offense a little bit more um, – I just want to see it come easier. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, I I think, you know, we have expectations for what this team can do. And a lot of those expectations are from the way that the last couple seasons have gone, where we saw 40 burgers and, you know, this team, it was easy for them to put up 28 points, you know, at the drop of a hat. And I think this offense can get there. I'm not discrediting them or counting them out, but I think, like you said, it's going to take a couple weeks for them to really kind of get into the rhythm. But when they do, then I'll be comfortable. So, you know, if they do it as early as week two, that'd be great. But I I don't know if I necessarily believe that because they do it in week two, they'd be able to do it in week three. Yep. I agree with you. Very different opponents each week as well. All right. So we're both taking the Packers to win. We're taking the Packers to win by multiple scores. Um, Any final thoughts before we say goodbye to all the lovely listeners? It's, it's the best week. It's the best week of football. It's Packers bears. It's always fun. It's on Sunday night. So, you know, you get to watch red zone all day, soak it up. And then you get to go watch the Packers, you know, hopefully beat up on their uh, little brother to the South. (laughs) I love it. Um, okay. You can listen to the podcast on all of your streaming services and on the Odyssey app. Go check us out on the Odyssey app now that we are an Odyssey production. You can follow us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, on Instagram at Pax, which she said, and Twitch as well. We will be back Monday with our game recaps on YouTube and Twitch. So you can follow us there. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. And as always, thank you for listening and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.